From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the VinePair Podcast, Friday edition. Dun, dun, dun. How <laughs> good when it's Friday. Uh, so today we're going we're gonna to chat, you know, briefly about a whiskey that I think a lot of people are familiar with, but it's probably been a while since many have had, though not everyone, because this whiskey, or at least one of these brands that's associated with this whiskey, is representative for almost 35 to 40% of one of these, of a major company's sales in the U.S., so wow. it's a mm-hmm. big category that we don't talk about enough, and that is Canadian whiskey. Yeah. So when I say Canadian whiskey, what do you both think immediately? Canadian club? Interesting. Yes. Crown Royal. Yeah. I think about a, a category that's like, uh, my experiences drinking Canadian whiskey have almost exclusively been like, here is a thing that is poured in a glass for me and I drink it without thinking about it. Like, that <laughs> what do you mean? I don't mean that to denigrate, but it's like, to me, Canadian whiskey is like, I'm almost always drinking it while doing something else. And I'm not really thinking about what I'm drinking. Like one of my cousins loves crown Royal. It's like his drink. And mm-hmm. when I go over and hang out at his house, sometimes like, well, he'll like pour, you know, crown when we watch like a baseball game or a football game or like, or hang out in the yard or whatever. But it's never like, been a category that I've sat down. I'm like, man, let me do a Canadian whiskey tasting. And and this is the thing that I really wanted to get into because I, I really posed this topic idea out of almost embarrassing ignorance, given like, frankly, how close I am to Canada and just in general, my position in, in this industry. But like Joanna mentioned Canadian, or, you know, Canadian club. I mentioned, we all, we've all mentioned Crown Royal. There's a couple of other, you know, sizable brands, but basically like is there a craft distilling movement in Canada? Why don't we see interesting, you know, rise single malts? Why isn't there something like, you know, that we've seen around the world? I know it must be happening, but like, why has it not penetrated the American drinks consciousness? Or am I just completely ignorant to what's going on? And there definitely is a craft there must movement be, in Canada. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. Well, you're, you're a resident. I know. Quasi-Canadian, <laughs> yeah. Joanna. No, but that's on. the thing. Like my, so Evan's family, I mean, drinks Canadian club, Crown Royal. Like we don't see, I, okay. I'm aware of some craft whiskey being made in the Yukon. Uh, that's where Evan's little sister lives up in Whitehorse. Um, and there's a brand there that I'm aware of. Um, but outside of that, we don't, I think it's called Two Robbers, by the way. Sorry if that's mm-hmm. incorrect. But but yeah, outside of that, we it's not a conversation we have often because those brands are so big here. Why try anything else? I also think Canada is a really unique country. Please don't come for me, Evan. But I think that it's a really <laughs> interesting country in that it is – Canadians are so proud to be Canadian. Yeah. And a lot of the brands in Canada that are owned by these larger companies – are very strongly woven into the fabric of what it means to be Canadian when it comes to alcohol. So like, you know, I think about even when I would go to Michigan and we would go across the border into Canada, you know, every once in a while, my, when I was growing up with my parents, because my dad was from Michigan, and you would see just tons and tons and tons of Labatt Molson, right? And like people yeah. very proud to drink that. And same with Canadian Club, same with with um, with Crown Royal, it was a it was just such a huge, huge part of Canada. And Canada had a really 
robust spirits industry still does, right? You have to remember the Bronfmans were actually in Canada. Seagram's was based there. Yeah, Seagram's too is another one, right? Yeah, and and they really built that industry. And uh, also, you know, Canada is a country that very much profited from prohibition. For sure. So, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot a lot of the whiskey that Americans were drinking, a, a lot of the whiskey that taught Americans to appreciate whiskey was Canadian because that was what was coming across the border during prohibition. So it was this like smoother style that we really got used to that still is, you know, arguably much more widely embraced amongst the majority of American drinkers than barrel proof bourbons and really smoky scotches. You know, people were looking for a whiskey that, you know, had flavor, but that was really, that was easy going as well. And that to me is always what Canadian whiskey has, has been. The other thing about the, that was a, a mistake on my part, but something I always used to assume was I used to assume that everything that was Canadian was rye. Right. You know, there was like, cause, cause it has, cause Canada also has this very strong, you know, connection to rye whiskey, but you know, all of the, the whiskeys that, that come across from Canada are not rye, obviously, but you know, Crown does make a really nice rye. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there are other companies out there. And then, you know, the, the assumption is that the majority of, I think it's the open secret is the majority of the, the ryes that were initially purchased for Whistlepig, you know, based in Vermont, because they, they didn't make mm-hmm. those, those whiskeys. They're starting to distill now, but you know, all the whiskeys they've won awards for, they basically finished in Vermont in their, in their barrels, but they were aged whiskeys forever from a producer in Canada. Mm-hmm. Right? So they were, they're Canadian whiskeys um, and Canadian rise. And, and so that's also, I mean, Canada's always for the longest time made really, really excellent, excellent whiskey. You know, the master still of crown Royal wins award after award of, after award by, you know, at whiskey competitions and, and through whiskey press because of, how talented he is and has helped a lot of other people across the country. So like, it's a, it's a great liquid, but I think for whatever reason, because of what, you know, how it came into the U S and whatever, it does get this rap for being on the budget side. I think it's also just fully overshadowed by the whiskey happening in the United States. And that's why too, because also I found this out for this conversation, but fireball is made with Canadian whiskey and ma- oh. is from Canada. I didn't even realize. But yeah, I just feel like people, there are so many whiskeys in the States to drink and they're so popular. Like why, Yeah, especially in the United States, I'm sure it's different in Canada, but you know, why, why would you drink Canadian whiskey instead? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're not kind of competing, if it's not just a sort of a price or maybe a stylist, I mean, you know, Adam makes a good point that, you know, smoothness is definitely something that generally is associated with Canadian whiskey and, and a selling point for a lot of people. But again, it kind of comes back to this question of like, you know, Canada has as rich a distilling history as America does. It has as long a distilling history as America does. And it certainly has the potential for its own interesting, distinct, you know, sort of raw material inputs. I mean, I'd be curious to, to know exactly kind of where the grain is coming from and for that distillery you were mentioning in the Yukon and what they're growing. And obviously it's like, you know, probably pretty different than what you're seeing a mash bill in, you know, in the Southern United States or even in some of the Northern parts. But like, Again, it just kind of strikes me as odd that for, uh, you know, we certainly see, um, you know, you've you've talked about before, Joanna, when you're when you're up there, you know, some of the the craft beer you have. And, and maybe that doesn't make it across the border because importing booze yeah. is tricky. And this actually now that I'm thinking about this as I'm talking through this, 
probably a big part of it too is that importing alcohol from Canada to the U.S. is actually kind of tricky. And I've seen this more from the standpoint of wine because, uh, as we've talked about in the podcast, I have a, a, a lot of love for the wines of British Columbia, and they are very, very hard to get in the U.S. Um, part because they're small scale production for the most part, but also because, despite being literally on the border, it's been generally challenging to get the wine imported into the U.S., not logistically, but legally and sort of financially. And I wonder if that might be the other issue here, too, just that there might be some really exciting, interesting things going on in Canada. Canadian listeners, let us know, podcast at vinepair.com. And yet we're just not able to taste it because it's actually really hard to get we it across get the border. can't get it. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. Unless Joanna smuggles it back. Right. Actually, time. so the, the Yukon yeah. one is called Two Brewers. But I know that you cannot get it outside of the Yukon, so. <laughs> there you go. Well, oh, field trip oh. for you, Joanna. Yeah. <laughs> Next time. I mean, look, we, we've danced on this enough. The one whiskey yeah. that <laughs> is just a behemoth in the U.S. And one of the most popular whiskeys in the U.S. as a whole is Crown Royal. Um, it's also one of the most popular liquors in the world. Yes. But what I think is really interesting is that one of the things that has made it so popular in recent years is not its traditional whiskey. Although I have a lot of memories growing up of Crown Royal because like my dad used to use the purple bags to store things, <laughs> um, you know, like cameras and Change. lenses and yeah, <laughs> random stuff. So anyway, so I remember like the purple bag very vividly. And and that always said to me like class, first class as yeah. Jack Harlow would say. Oh. And, uh, and I feel like that is something that has just been such a great, move for that brand for so long and then you know in recent years they've moved into flavors and mm -hmm. there's so many that you cannot they're so popular that, that especially one flavor is almost impossible to find although the two of you found it which <laughs> boggles the mind um but in a lot of the country peach is almost un impossible to find right like or it sells out immediately we've written a, a piece about it on the site about how there's like secondary markets for peach people you know line up when they hear that peach is, is hitting their store there's crap there's apple there's vanilla and they Maple. do others as well mm -hmm. but i've never had any of them and we have them here today so i got the apple and what i think is interesting is uh so I went to a liquor store near the office, and I actually got the smallest bottle that they would sell me, which was plastic. Uh, oh. Very, I haven't had a bottle, a, a plastic bottle of uh, spirit ever. I don't think. Um, so this is the smallest bottle they have of Apple. Is I it three twenty five? It's much less. It okay. is. I'm looking for the. How much it's, is it? But it's not like an airline bottle, right? It's no, like no, no. It's not an airline bottle. It's a little bit bigger. It's like. Okay. Um, where is the MLs also? I'm in, you, you're you telling me you've never had a plastic bottle of liquor makes me <laughs> man. You must not have been buying the kind of liquor I was I'm buying. Too bougie, y'all. I'm too bougie. <laughs> um. So, so I asked. I was like, "Oh, do you do you do that in peach as well?" And they said, "No, they don't release peach in anything but the glass bottle with the box." And I was like, "Ah, oh. they definitely, definitely are buying into the hype, right? They're they're creating scarcity." Because apples everywhere, you can't tell me that they can't make peach just as ubiquitous. So a little bit of this, I think that they purposely make peach harder to find. Mm -hmm. um, so I have apples. So let me let me open this up. This, I'm, I'm gonna drink it straight from the bottle, y'all. Oh yeah, <laughs> God, we need video of this. I know. I'm so disappointed we're not gonna see it. Okay, Are you gonna do the whole thing in one go? Oh yeah, no, not the whole one go. So so <laughs> I will tell you, the second you open it, I definitely smell like. It's really interesting. There's a very 
strong apple aroma, like green apple Jolly Rancher. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it has that whiskey background. So it's almost like think of like you're eating a piece of apple pie with like okay. like a little bit of whiskey on the side. That's that kind of bad. has that like buttery vanilla going on as well. And I mean, also, by the way, it's, it's 35% alcohol. So yeah. it's much mm -hmm. lower ABV. Um, I mean, this is weird to say, but like it just smells smooth. Does that yeah. make sense to you guys? Like you just know this is not going to be something that's going to be harsh, that's going to burn. Okay, let me take a swig. Oh, man, that's too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I know what the rest of your Friday is going to look like. That didn't need water. That That also tastes like candy is it sweet yes but like not too sweet because of the whiskey it doesn't taste like it doesn't taste like screwball or things like that mm -hmm. it, yeah. it still like, has that you're not drinking like a, yeah an right. apple teeny right it still apple has that teeny. whiskey backbone it's and like I think that's probably why it's so popular it's like i think for a lot of people so has them gives them that a, a, like feeling of drinking whiskey but with this flavoring mm -hmm. that is honestly like pretty good. <laughs> you know, I, this wouldn't be my choice all the time, but I can't deny that there's flavor here that's done well. Yeah. So this is this is now a Diageo product. I, I think they've owned Crown for a while, um, and you know Diageo is one of the companies that I, that does do flavor really well, um, and the flavor's pretty good. I'm having a nice wig. <laughs> wow. You guys hit. You guys did not hit the peach because I've never had the yes, peach. Yes, we haven't. I've got mine poured into a glass. Yeah, me too. It similarly, <laughs> I mean, smells very peachy, like like peach ring but, is peachy. Yeah, yeah. But well, it's interesting you say that. It, it definitely has. There's like a confected peach note, but it didn't smell to me like overtly f like artificial. Like it smells like concentrated peach, but not artificial peach. If that makes sense. Yeah, it smells good. And you, and you yeah. still pick up the whiskey though. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like that's the thing I, I felt too is like it smelled – you could you could get an idea of like that it's – it definitely – it's it smells – I don't I want to say sweet but candy-like as we're all saying. But it doesn't smell confectionery and it smells good. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you can explain that besides just saying, yes, it smells good. Like it smells like the way I would want apple to smell and I'm assuming the same for you with peach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I got to say, this is like, you said smooth and it's like that. This is just tasty. Yeah, yeah like, it really is. <laughs> it's very easy to drink. <laughs> I mean, peach and whiskey are like, it's just such a dynamite combo. It's very funny that it's like the most popular peach infused whiskey is a Canadian whiskey. Because obviously like the peaches, as it says on the George bottle, peach. are coming from Georgia. Mm -hmm. Like they're not like, you know, Canadian peaches. <laughs> um, but like it is, it is delicious. And like I can, yeah, I can't why people love this. I don't know that I would like pay secondary market prices for it i'd probably just find another way to get peach in my whiskey but it's good <laughs> it's a good combo of flavors yeah it really sure. is there the flavors are really good yeah and i definitely see why people like it yeah this would wow. be good in iced tea oh it's so good i mean mine i think would be good obviously you could make like a kind of really interesting fall old-fashioned with it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. lots of different fall drinks you know it with the apple i think like the peach is probably just I'm I'm wondering if one of the other reasons it was so hard to find for me um, is because it's the summer, you know, yeah. it's just like yeah. such a like, it just makes sense. And everyone's like, yeah, you can have as much apple as you want. I wonder if apple would be harder if we had tried to go find it in October. 
Although I feel like the thing about this that I love, this is one of the things that I do love about this kind of product is like, I also can imagine drinking this in like the dead of winter and being like, here is a thing that gives me that hint of summer. But like, I don't have to go like, I'm not going to find peaches, but I can have my peach whiskey. And that's like delicious and reminiscent of a season that I'm longing for when it's like cold and gross. Yeah, that's a good point. They're they're using these for their RTDs, right? So I think they are in some and then in some they're using like traditional crown royal that right. was also all over the liquor store that i went to they're all their rtds mm-hmm. and their crown and cola was huge display you know filled inside the liquor store um and you know again i think people who like crown like that product if you don't like crown you know then maybe it's not going to be for you but there's a lot of people that clearly like crown yeah um, so this is i think this actually comes back to the thing we said at the very top when we were talking about like feelings about canadian whiskey this is maybe more what i was should have tried to say i don't know anyone who does who's like oh crown royal is gross mm-hmm. like unless you just don't like whiskey but if you right. like whiskey i can see a lot of people who are like eh, it's not my favorite but it's like it's so it hits like the kind of basic whiskey notes that you would expect and does it so like competently that it's just like it is a thoroughly unobjectionable and like perfectly acceptable whiskey that I would drink kind of whenever, but it may not be the thing that I opt for given a large selection. But if someone's like, Hey, you want some whiskey? And I'm like, sure. And they pour me crown royal. I'm not gonna be like, Oh, really? I'll be like, fine. That's great. Sounds <laughs> yeah. good to me. Sounds good. <laughs> classic Zach. Uh, that's that's all I get. That's my, that's my line. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you both have done it on the podcast. It's good. If you've had these, if you've had these before, let us know what you think at podcast.vinepair.com. And if you have not, today's always a new day. Go out and yeah, try. Tell us your, <laughs> I think, tell us your favorite wanna, Canadian whiskeys too. Yeah, yeah. I want to know if there's, if you've got Cana- uh, like you know, craft Canadian whiskey recommendations. Send yeah. it to us. Hit us up. And if you make a craft Canadian whiskey, more than happy to try it. All right. Back on Monday. Joanna, Zach, have great weekends. Everyone else out there too. Talk to you guys next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.